You're listening to Holy Family Parish in Hanover, Ontario, Canada. We're so glad you could join us for this presentation. For more podcasts and video, and to learn more about us, visit our website at holyfamily.ca. Hello and welcome to Thursday Night Appetizer. It is July 8th, 2021. And as always, I'm joined by my uh, good friend, colleague, confidant, the master of Dundalk himself, brother in Christ, Deacon Charles. Hello, Deacon Charles. Good evening, Sam, son of Ted (laughs) and Chris. Right. Good evening. Um, Hey, guess what? I believe I address what? We're actually live tonight for once. That's weird. Because in the next few weeks, we're going to be recording ahead and we're starting a whole new series starting next week. You're supposed to tell people. Taste and see. I'm giving them a little preview. Okay, fine. What? Yeah, we're starting a new series next week called Taste and See. This one is this this episode is kind of an orphan. It's not in a standalone. Yeah, the standalone orphan. Sad. Orphan is more sad. Standalone is more independent and rugged. Um. All right. So we're gonna. You have some intro stuff to do, and then we're gonna. No, I don't. We are. I've already shown the intro video. We are ready to start. Great. Can we see the backgrounder? Sure we can. Wonderful. There we go. So we're looking at how Jesus summoned the 12 and began to send them out two by two, which is Mark chapter six, verse seven. So the first thing Jesus does before he sends them out is he calls them to himself. Um, And I think that for anyone who is a Christian, that is to say a follower of Jesus, we have to keep being attentive to new calls that he has on us, which means entering into a deeper relationship with with him than we've had before. This is both, I think, amazing and hard. Nothing is more amazing than knowing Jesus because he is a source of blessing, joy, gifts. However, once we do return to Jesus, there's always a need for our repentance uh, because we may have strayed away from him and his love. Another thing that happens is when Jesus calls the 12 to himself, that is the 12 apostles, the foundation of, of the church as we are till today, 2,000 years later, it's not just so that they can stay clinging to him. Um, I mean, being devoted to Jesus is not the same as clinging to, to him. Jesus himself, who is one with the Father and the Spirit, was sent into the world, separated from the Father, uh, we are also sent into the world, as Jesus says in John chapter 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. In fact, that's what the word, the word apostle means, one who is sent. Now, Jesus tells, says three things to his apostles that apply to us today, three instructions of how to act while we're on mission for him. The first is take nothing for the journey. That's the first instruction, take nothing for the journey, which means we're relying only on Jesus and his power. The second thing is to stay there until you leave, which means to get to know the community of people to which we are sent and allow them to get to know you. And the third thing is, if you are not welcomed, move on, meaning don't stay in unfruitful situations where maybe not, where not, you may be not called to be. And finally, let's look on how those, those 12 and the others who are sent out from Jesus do and ask, does this sound like you? Does this sound like us? Are we preaching repentance to sinners so that they can hear hope and not condemnation? 
are we operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is to say offering healing and driving out evil? And if we are, then the kingdom of God is being revealed in our midst. This is the mission which we have inherited from the 12. And that's our backgrounder for this week. I turn it over to you, Sam, to lead us in prayer and read the gospel passage for this coming Sunday, Mark chapter 6, verse 7 to 13. Okay. So let's uh, let's pray together and ask the Holy Spirit to come and give us inspiration and allow the... Uh, well, let's just pray about that. <laughs> praise and thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, we praise you and we worship you. We thank you, Lord, for sending your word. Um, not only the word that we find in the, in the sacred scriptures, in the Bible, but also the word that is Jesus, the Logos, the, the word that was present before time, the word that you spoke into the world. We thank you for making him incarnate, for allowing him to come to earth and become one of us. We thank you for reaching out to us when we were sinners. And even though we are still sinners, Lord, we know that Jesus suffered and died for us with us in mind. We ask that his words and his life would penetrate the hardness of our hearts tonight as we reflect and as we read the scriptures. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and be within us and all of those who are watching as we listen to your holy word. May it inspire us, may it transform us, may it turn us into your disciples and into your apostles. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. Having listened to God's word and reflected on it in our hearts, we'll now um, share a bit and invite you to join in by listening and uh, asking what God is saying to you through these words from the Holy Scripture. I'd also like to uh, point out, which I didn't do at the start, that um, if you would like to comment, we are live right now, so if you'd like to comment on Facebook or on YouTube, feel free to put something in the chat. I'll be, I'll be watching that uh, for your comments as well. Uh, do you want me to share first, Charles? Or yeah, go ahead. You go okay. ahead. Um, well, I, I think this is partly what you said in the in the backgrounder, but when we now that we read it, it kind of stood out to me as well. Um, this whole idea of shake off the dust that is on your feet is a testimony against them. It seems a little harsh when you put it that way, but um, here I'm just going to stop the share so that uh, you guys can see me. Um, and it seems a little harsh to me to say that, like it's sort of like you're you're almost mm -hmm. like cursing them, you know. Because I was thinking about how sometimes people they sort of mean well, you know. Um, <laughs> they don't like they don't mean, they don't know what they're rejecting when they when there isn't fruit, you know, from the gospel. Or, or, or what I mean is um, when when people reject what we're saying, it's often not because they sort of maliciously or like intentionally are rejecting it. They've sort of got other things to do, or they're maybe just not interested, or they don't feel it's for them. And it seems harsh to like shake the dust off, almost like. I'm getting out of here and 
to heck with you, right? <laughs> I guess that's just the way I've mm-hmm. kind of I kind of see that sometimes. And um, but then what you said was interesting about the uh, the fruitfulness, right? We do need to, as a church, we need to try and share the gospel, go to the the houses of, of people that will listen. There needs to be fruit there, right? That's what basically what Jesus is saying. If they refuse to hear you, you don't need to stay. You don't need to keep doing that unfruitful thing. You need to continue um, yeah. and move on, right? Hmm. Um, I just was thinking about just how often now nowadays we don't often get like outright rejection, but that's because we aren't really going in a lot of cases, right? It's uh it's easy for us to get kind of doing our own thing at church and serving our own people. Um, what we might, if sometimes we toss around the, the concept of maintenance mode, right? Where we sort of focus only on the people in the church and not the people outside. We do need to focus on the people in the church at times and care for them. However, our mission is to the community, to the, to those that need Jesus. And um, Jesus is sending them out into these, into these communities. Um, and not everyone will, uh, you know, we'll embrace the, the gospel. In our case, it's not that they're not embracing it. It's that we're not going out or it's, it's more challenging for us to go out because the church is so established in our, in, uh, you know, in our culture. And we've been sort of enjoyed pretty easy, easy ride so far. This is like out of our comfort zone, right? Yeah. That, that, maybe that's a good place for me to pick up. Cause that, that kind of makes me think my, my phrase was uh, take nothing. Hmm. I, I think that's really bad advice, isn't it? It doesn't make any sense. Honestly, like that's the whole point. If he was just a human leader, it would be terrible advice. Take nothing. That's stupid. Why not take a sandal or sandals in a bag and an extra tunic? You know, makes sense. Uh, I guess when I say it's bad advice, I mean, if what he was doing was on a purely human basis, it would be terrible advice. As I mean, good advice would be be prepared, have your stuff with you, be equipped. In fact, people often say, you know, you need to be equipped. I there's a there's a set of ministries at Holy Family which we call equipping ministries, actually, for for mission. But I think it's pretty profound. Take nothing it ties into what you said because it seems to me that the Catholic Church in Canada at this point in 2021, the Christian churches in general, not every single Christian church, but many of them, are actually quite well equipped. We have a lot of resources. We have literally lots of money, land, and buildings, staff clergy you know we, we're actually full in a sense like we we haven't taken nothing on this mission that we're on the same mission as the apostle we have a lot and a really serious question is why is it that two countries i can think of i read reports about in the last couple of years where the church has nothing and is being persecuted are the two countries where i as i understand it, it's going most fruitfully china and iran unlikely countries communist china <laughs> Often people say, oh, it would be terrible if we got a communist government, which of course it would be. Or, you know, Iran, which is basically an Islamic republic or an Islamic state. But these are two places, when I read when I read about, uh, as best as I can from North, a North American perspective, what's going on, there's like the ideologies or the belief systems that are in place there are not actually satisfying the people. Okay, they're, they're really hard to live with the, the belief systems that go with communist China and Islamic Iran. And when the gospel comes into those places, and this has actually happened, this is not in theory, in practice, over the last, let's just say 10 years, it's, it, like, it's, it catches fire. And it, the way I've heard it described in Iran, it's, it's really simple. It's mostly women. What they do is they put the New Testament, like little New Testaments, into people's mailboxes. That's it. 
when they talk to them and they're risking their lives to some extent, not maybe not being killed, but being imprisoned. It's, it's so simple, so obvious even, right? So the, 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 the illusion that I know I live with, and I think we live with, which we've inherited to some extent is like, well, we better have a lot of resources before we do something that Jesus wants us to do, as opposed to what he said, which is take nothing. Right. I think there's also a tendency to always feel like we're not equipped for mission. Yeah. I don't, like I, something we've heard, I, I know you and I have heard over time, like just when, not, not necessarily to strangers, usually. Often it's, it's to people that we know. God wants us to be a light into their life. And uh, Charles just disappeared, but I'm sure he'll be back in a minute. Oh, there he is. Welcome back. Are you here? Thank you. Yeah, I am. I, I was just about to say that um, it's often not to strangers. God, God isn't necessarily st- sending us out to stand on a street corner. He wants us to accompany those in our lives that we know. He wants to be light to their into their life through us. So what, when we try to convince people of that fact, which is true, uh, that's what every Christian is called to to be a to be a light to the nation, to be light, salt, and light. You know. Uh, one of the one of the things that they struggle with is well I'm not prepared I'm not equipped I'm not a I'm not a missionary you know I'm not like the priests and the deacons and the minister the hired church staff and people like that that are equipped to go out and it's part of it is convincing them that they are by by virtue of their Christianity they are um, able to go right and and equipped in a sense there are, there are yeah. things that you better prepare but at the same time here's Jesus saying take nothing with you. What, what he says to me, what I feel he's saying is, uh, you don't have to worry so much about, you know, what doesn't he say somewhere else? Don't worry about what you will say when you're pulled before judges, right? Sort of mm-hmm. like he'll equip you on the fly, which is very unnerving <laughs> to someone like, like me who likes to be prepared, you know? You love to be prepared. Actually, I do too, in a different way. But I would say, take nothing if I can connect with the end of Mark, uh, Matthew's gospel, he says, behold, I'm with you always till the end of the age. And what he's kind of saying in this passage from Mark is related to that, which is really, you got me. So um, you don't really need anything else. The fact that we're sent by him, like I'm thinking about what I, what I can gather and I don't have any firsthand or even really secondhand knowledge of the situation in places like Iran and China. It's like, it's really simple people. Like, as I said, in Iran, as I said, it's mostly women. Um, and the most important thing, I would say this is true, is I've heard and experienced people who who preach God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to me, is they're leaning on him. You can tell. I mean, you've got a lot of technology. We're, we were joking. Um, we've been joking about how you've got, like, what are you, a man of many parts? you got all kinds of technology, all kinds of stuff, right? But... Uh, yeah, but 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 that's not the most important thing about you. It's like most important that you are leaning on Jesus, and all the other stuff is secondary. Well, I, yeah. What what I was thinking as you were you were sharing that is the the one thing you do need to have, you do need to take with you is an experience of meeting Jesus, right? That's why we're so big on like mm. testimony. Like if, if I, yeah. And funny thing is. What they have that that they present is an experience they've had with Jesus. You can't can't refute the story of what Jesus has done in a person's life. Um, Unfortunately, I think we sort of 
the sense of a relationship that we have, right? Maybe we haven't had that kind of an experience. Um, but you, you need to have that experience. Otherwise, when you, when you tell someone, you can't just... Speaking of technology, we're having technical problems today. It's probably the weather. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't help at all here. Oh. Yeah. When when we have, which we have unsettled weather, living in the country with uh, poor internet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's it's kind of prophetic, or at least uh, a good illustration of how much I do believe that technology. I know I was just visiting a, a, a household where they have really benefited from having technology than the fact that we're using technology, but that's not what's keeping them paying attention or inviting me, which in this case they did to drop by and, and, and be with them and listen to them and support them. It's because they, they, they believe, and I have, I'm going to take this seriously because this is not me saying this, this is them saying this, like when they hear you speak or they hear me speak and they're talking with other people on our Wednesday night worship service, it's like a bunch of people who are leaning on Jesus is the most important thing. They heard our, our um, friend Claire's testimony. They watched it just this week, and they were talking about it's like, yeah, that's like that's what they need in the middle of a really hard situation that they're in. They need to know that there are people who can lean on Jesus, and that that's powerful because what the testimony of the of the of the disciples sent in this passage is a testimony against those who refuse to receive the word, which is to say, maybe this whole this whole passage is kind of a a message against self-reliance and a message about relying on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes, it could be. I also thought well, the anointed with oil was an interesting line. Yeah. You know, like, um, like, um, doesn't, isn't it Messiah that means anointed one? That's right. Yeah. And so they're going out and anointing people with oil. What, do you know if it was a special kind of oil or... I don't think so, but I think it, it's the basis for what in the Catholic community we call the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. This idea that the apostles in particular are trusted with a gift of healing uh, that is primarily spiritual, but can have a manifestation. And actually, the people I was visiting, you know, they were saying um, they are not able to get out really at this point, but they really wish they could have been at um, our worship services because just to be prayed over for healing and they understand it doesn't, it's not magic. It's, it's God's healing, which starts on the inside. Um, and I, I, I know that's been really important to me as well, like allowing, recognizing and receiving God's power through the church, through the sacraments, but also through other Christians praying over us. Uh-huh. Yeah. Signs what, of the kingdom. What if they're watching right now? Maybe they are. They might be. Yeah. They were looking forward to it. Hmm, good. Um, so even though they're not equipped, the apostles who are sent out have been given power by Jesus. They have power that is something that cannot be manufactured nat- by natural means. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to ask you questions, so I'll ask one now, which is, can you think of, uh, I, I probably could, but I would ask you, can you think of a time when you have seen that power that accompanies the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ? <sighs> Probably many times. Yeah, I mean, um, in, in a sense, I, I was, I was kind of, I was affected by something like that—the preaching of Jesus yeah. Christ—and I experienced that power in myself. Um, like, like, I mean, the answer is yes. Like, I have been, you know, at like, for instance, events where 
you know, there's a really, a really clear effort to preach the gospel and an invitation to, to respond did. And it was you know, moving for them. And there were sometimes there's tears, sometimes there's laughter, whatever it is. But I know mm-hmm. for me, I was, I was definitely, the, the gospel was preached to me personally at a time when I was, you know, a little bit lost. I was in, in my old late teens and, and um, I heard it as kind of maybe like the apostles did, like an, like a, an invitation to mission. Mm-hmm. Almost like like what are you living for right now? You know, yeah. here's something you can live for, right? His name's Jesus, and he has a mission for you, and he's a plan, and uh, he wants you to say yes so that you can be his. In, in their their terminology, they they called it soldier, right? It's like a military. Mm-hmm. They were using like a military uh, style recruitment speech almost, but um, it had a really profound effect on me. I remember thinking um, this, you know, almost like compelled to go forward. I know I wasn't, I did choose, but almost yeah. like I was being physically drawn forward from hmm. my seat, from where I was sitting. When they, inv- they invited us to come forward and be prayed over actually, similar yeah. to our, our worship service. And, um, and I just remember like almost being like, like a magnet, like, you know, drawn out of my seat. Like I could have, would have had to like hang on to stay there almost. I don't know. It was really strange, but it was, I believe so it was the Holy Spirit. And the reason I believe it was the Holy Spirit is because it had a profound impact on my that my life at that time and on my future as I look back, right? Mm-hmm. Looking back over 20 years. Yeah, I can see that a lot of what has happened began with that that yes that I said at that moment. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of grace and given to me something, at that moment. Something that I've heard you say is you imagine going back overseas after coming home to Canada, going back overseas as a missionary, but the pastor holy family at the time, Father Dave Cote, asked you to be a missionary in Hanover for us, right? Is that right? Yeah, I trained. How I trained, did you feel? I trained as a missionary, and a lot of my, my colleagues went overseas. Like, actually, yeah. one of them went to Iran. Um, right. And one of them went to Kazakhstan, which is a very, at the time, this was in, you know, 1999, was, was fairly resistant to the gospel. I wouldn't say it was illegal, but it was, like, really... Mm-hmm. Harsh, kind of a harsh environment to be going and giving out Bibles. So how did you feel about being called to be a missionary, not in your hometown, but right near your hometown? How did I feel about that? Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, it has its pros and cons. I'm sort of with Jesus on last week's <laughs> reading there. You know, a prophet is? is not without honor. You know that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, it is... I would say in some ways it's most challenging to talk about your faith with people that know you or have known you for a long time. Yeah. Right. They knew you before like Jesus from last week. Like Jesus from last week. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know my community in Hanover was, was more receptive to it. And uh, I, I just love, I I do really love Hanover. I love Chepstow too, but Chepstow is kind of my hometown. Hanover was kind of my mission town. There you go. But what I'm, what I'm thinking is, can you can you go back and remember like what did Father Dave say to you and how did you feel about it at the time? Yeah, um, I wish I had that letter. I might have it somewhere. He wrote me a letter. He wrote you a letter? Yeah. Wow. Well, I was in I was in Colorado and we were in the mountains. We didn't have good like we didn't even have good landline reception. Mm-hmm. It was like really sketchy getting phone calls out, and right. um, we we're like way up at nine thousand feet, and. Uh, no, I got a letter from him one day and just, just kind of saying like how things were going at the church and then, and then basically the pitch, which was, pre- I, th- I feel like it was pretty simple. You know, like I know you want to be a missionary and you want to like lead, lead others to Christ. And that's like, 
while you're there. But like consider coming here and leading, you know, the people in this community to Christ or something like that. It's it pretty simple. But it seemed to make sense to me. How did you feel when you got, because it's not, not it was early in, on. It was like in the first month, maybe of my time there. I think I yeah. was thinking about that through the whole thing. Yeah. What I mean is like Kazakhstan and, and uh, Iran are exotic. If you're from Chepstow. Oh yeah. Like they're, they're, and, and as you say, super challenging, it's not super challenging to be giving out Bibles in a place where that's host, where, which is hostile to it. In some ways that would be to me appealing for a young man. I remember being at that age and doing things that were like kind of, challenging and wanting that i i felt i felt a distraction was the fact that i was catholic and many of my uh my co-trainees were not catholic mm-hmm. and I, I i spent a lot of energy needlessly i think defending my my christianity <laughs> you, like you're actually a christian yeah yeah and i just yeah, yeah. and and sort of defending i don't know i felt like i it was i was always on the defensive and i think that maybe right. had an effect yeah if it, might, if it had been like a, I don't know, something similar in a Catholic context, it might have changed things. I, hmm. I've, I And I have so much respect for the evangelicals. I mean, I know so many and I'm such good friends with so many of them. I still am to this day, the people that I trained with, but yeah. it just was kind of a hang up all the time. I, I'm sure that had something to do with it. The organization I was with was very good, but they still were, it would have been a always a problem kind of thing. <laughs> you know? Right. Whether you're like working with a local church and it's it's a an evangelical church and they're in a country where they're very distrust they they do not trust Catholics, then you come down as a Catholic and it's a very it's a big roadblock. You know, uh, we mm-hmm. experienced that in Mexico quite a bit. Um, yeah, so that was that was part of it too. Mm-hmm. But that's what I that's what I loved about it was yeah the thought of like an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think I'm pretty sure my motto at the time was kind of like this is the great adventure after a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman, you know, sort of like what God's calling you to do is more exciting and bigger and more valuable right. to the, to the world and to the people in the world than anything you could come up with on your own. Right. So that's actually a really good note. I like the word adventure a great deal. And I was thinking today, I read this essay, I think it was probably written in the nineties by a, a, a Protestant theologian from the States, which is something like Christianity. It's not a belief. It's an adventure. Hmm. Uh, so he was trying to de-emphasize the overemphasis on the intellectual content of the faith or faith as equated only with the intellect and saying, no, it's actually an adventure. And on an adventure, what makes it an adventure is that you are not prepared for what's going right. to happen. I, if, I think, if you were completely prepared, it would not be an adventure. Well, you know, another thing I, th- I think of in terms of the adventure is uh, when you, you know, when you said yes to God and you're on his mission, like I, I hope. I hope and pray that I am. I try to stay on his mission anyway, try mm-hmm. and stay on mission as much as possible. Um, you know, things will happen and you realize that that's actually the Holy spirit or that's, that's um, that you're actually being led in the moment. And that that's exciting because it's, you know, not everything is random. So, you know, God is leading you. He is guiding you, trying to yeah. try, trying to work with you all the time and showing like I, we, we have a mutual friend who called me randomly out of the blue on the weekend. Right. Um, and asked about something that you've talked about on this podcast, I'm pretty sure, or on this show. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the, the camping trip, or the, the hiking trip. Right. right. With the tornado. Oh, the hiking. Not, not the tornado. Oh, sorry, the hi- right. hiking, hiking Bruce's caves. And you mentioned right. there were, there were uh, you know, so that you had, you remembered these three young Boy men. Young guys. Anyway, one of them called me and asked me a question three, about yeah. where we had gone hiking. You know, and then I yeah. remember you saying to me, are you sure that was random? Like, or isn't it, isn't it strange that, they, that he called, you know? It's like you're looking for those little like breadcrumbs 
that uh, yeah. that he's leaving you and tr- trying to guide you. That's exciting. And it's also exciting to see what he does in people's lives. Like that never gets old. So I, I think this is a word of encouragement as I'm listening to you and reflecting on what Jesus did. Let's say did to his disciples then. He's doing to us again. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, church in Canada, Canadian Christians, you guys are pretty well set up. You got a lot of stuff. You got money. You've got personnel. You've got institutions. And those are good. But what if you didn't have quite as many of those things in place that kept you secure or even the numbers that make it seem like, oh, this is still a predominantly Christian or Catholic context we're living in and and being part of his church in? Like, what if you didn't have quite as secure a place? Now what? I I think it's kind of, so what you're saying um, is encouraging for us at a time that it could feel discouraging that all those things we're counting on or have been counting on for a long time are being taken away. They just are. We might be kind of working backwards through that reading in a way. Yeah. From the like sort of. So yeah, for anyone watching or listening. No, sort of like from the glory, you know, at the end of the passage, the glory times, you know, the the healing and casting out demons, working our way back to the part that says, take nothing with you. Right. Like that may be, that may be Jesus message to us going forward. Um, you know, maybe maybe things yeah. are going to be simpler and smaller, right? But but I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, which I love to do. I love to disagree. You know that, how much I love to disagree. Yeah. Let's see what you think. I actually think, kind of like going back to last week's gospel for Sunday as well, is that the power of the Holy Spirit will not be manifest if we're relying on our own strength and our own institutions. Those deeds of power, which is the glory of God manifest, signs of his kingdom, are somehow we're more open to them when we're on an adventure and we are not fully equipped. So I actually think we're being led back to them. If I could put it like that, although I kind of agree with you, it's like the things being taken away. So we're like, we have to strip down to like, okay, this is really about Jesus and his mission, everything in our faith, including for us Catholics, our sacraments, our teaching, our tradition. It's all about him. I guess what I meant is maybe that's probably a good place. to. I agree with you. Like maybe away from a, a sense of complacency in our own strength and our own institutions. Yeah, and a movement to more sure more trust in God as things get more difficult and as the church shrinks. So, but I do think we, we'll see, I, I think, of, we'll, I see think more, we'll see more fruit though. That's what I'm trying to say. If we're faithful, I agree with you actually, and I think we're already seeing that in the last the last couple of months. Just just meeting the hunger and thirst of, that people have for Jesus Christ. I've met that over and over again in a way in the last two months that I have not seen for years. And it's partly because I'm more out there and we're more out there on mission, but also because people at the end of this year and a half of like really struggling to get through this whole shutdown COVID thing, it's like they're forced to ask really basic human questions that we don't normally have to ask. Like, what's this even for? What's the point, right? What's the point of my life? Why are we here? All these kinds of amazing questions. And even just listening to like the cries for justice, sometimes directed against the church, is actually a sign prophetically saying all these things you relied on that you, you, you did things to other people. We did things to Catholics, other people that we should not have done all those things. What if they were taken away? What would happen then? Maybe, maybe great things would happen then. Not, not discouraging things. Not like this is not failure. This is renewal. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. So maybe that's a good time to wrap and pray. Or my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Yeah. Like last week's, uh, was that last week's though? Yeah, yeah. Last week's second reading from from last Matthew last Sunday. Reading. Yeah, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect mm-hmm. in weakness. 
Yeah, that's the bottom line. Yep. All right. Shall we pray? Yes, we shall. Okay. Maybe I'll pray. Is that all right? Oh yeah, this is this. I love this line from the second reading for uh, Mass coming up this Sunday. It's Ephesians chapter one, um, and I'll just read the verse out, and I'll, I'll pray based on that verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him in love. And I, I love that phrase, just as He chose us in Christ. Um, so let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, you have announced to us through your Apostle Paul and his letter to the Ephesians that we have been chosen in Christ. It is only in Jesus that we discover who we truly are as individuals and as communities and even as a church. Outside of him, nothing that we do can bear fruit for your glory and for your kingdom. But we know that in him, all things have been given to us blessing, adoption, um, being your beloved sons and daughters, a place in your heavenly home, all these things, and power through your Holy Spirit. So come, Father, give us the gift of your Holy Spirit once again, who announces the coming of Jesus Christ through our words and actions, who does marvelous deeds as we proclaim his kingdom, who helps us to lean more and more on Jesus and less and less on ourselves? We thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, for you are gracious and loving, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, thanks everyone for joining us on the Thursday Night Appetizer this week on the eighth of July. Wow, it's eighth of July already. And uh, thank you, Charles, for being here on Zoom and uh, say hi to Dundalk for us and your family. I will do that. And to the rest of you watching uh, live and watching in the future, hello from the past. That's my funny joke. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this. We'd love to hear from you and hear your comments. Um, I don't think there are any to read at the moment. No. But um, as always, we love hearing from you. It actually gives us kind of a boost to find out if you're, uh, if you're watching and if uh, it's meaningful to you. Uh, keeps us going. Gives us a little bit of incentive to uh, put, a little, put our effort into it. So... We really appreciate you watching. I know some of you are watching right now and um, that we're getting the views there. So, um, But even if we didn't, we love to read the scripture and we love to uh, hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. And uh, so we're very grateful to be here with you and grateful for the technology and the tools to be able to do it. So we hope to see you soon. We'll be here next week with Thursday Night Appetizer. We hope to see you on Sunday at our, at our, during our live stream. And uh, that's all for now. Or uh, maybe we'll see you at Mass. I got to throw that in there. What? I might see it mass this weekend too. That's what I, I said that already. You said live stream. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can come to mass in person if you want. Sure. Yeah. Saturday night, 7 PM, Sunday, 9 and 11. Choose one. Up to you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.